So as we look at this question, who is Jesus, I'm couching this whole discussion, really the whole series in Psalm 24, 8 through 10. And if you don't have one, feel free to grab a study guide that'll help you go along. It's on that back table right there. Uh, you guys uh, at that back table, pick them up, wave them so everyone can see that they're there. Feel free to go get a study guide if you want, if you need. It will help you in your journey through this. But we are looking, our chief verse, or maybe not our chief verse, because we're going to be in so many verses tonight. And you will need Bibles tonight, by the way. Yes, you will need Bibles tonight. And you're going to have to be able and willing to open up Bibles and to read from them but we're couching this lesson, this series, in Psalm 24, 8 through 10. I'm going to read it as it's on your study guide. I'm going to read it as it is on the study guide. It says, Who is this King of glory? Yahweh, strong and mighty. Yahweh, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates. And lift yourselves up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is He, this King of glory? Yahweh of hosts. He is the King of glory. So before we jump into asking the question a little further, who is this Jesus, let me pray for us. Most gracious Heavenly Father, I pray that tonight... As we open up your word and as we consider the truth and the reality of who Jesus is, revealed as he is in your scripture, not made up, not not the whims of our thoughts or our imaginings, but Father, as your word, as the Bible reveals him to us, help us as we consider this question, as we are introduced to Emmanuel, to fall deeper and deeper in love with him. Lord, I pray that you would use this evening for your glory, that you would use this time for your honor, and that God, if there's someone here who does not know you, that you would begin that work of redemption even tonight. It's your son's name, Jesus. We ask these things in for his sake. Amen. How many of you ever saw the movie Talladega Nights? How many of you ever saw the movie Talladega Nights? It's okay if you did. I saw it when it came out of theaters. A Will Ferrell movie. Uh, Will Ferrell, for those of you who don't know, was uh, an actor who started off in a show called Saturday Night Live. He quickly became very popular and started making movies. And he made a movie called Talladega Nights where he's this race car driver. And in the movie, he sits down with his family and his best friend and they start praying. And who do you think they're going to pray to? They're going to pray to Jesus. And this is how Will Ferrell's character opens up that prayer. He says, Oh, dear Lord, baby Jesus. And he says it over and over and over again. To which one of the other characters looks at him and says, Hey, he's not a baby anymore. And he says, You stop that. Because when I pray to Jesus, I like that version of Jesus the best. And so that's the Jesus that I pray to. So as we're considering this whole question of who is Jesus, let me ask this on the outset, on the start, at the beginning. Can we just pick and choose what Jesus 
we're going to worship. Like, I mean, when we came in here and when we sang songs just now, we were singing them to the Lord, we were singing them to Christ, to Jesus, but could one of us have said, I'm singing it to the Jesus um, at Christmas time, and one of us say, no, I'm singing it to uh, the Jesus that, uh, that is, in my, is in the painting in my grandmother's house. Uh, can we just pick and choose Jesus like that? Is that a thing we can do? No. All right, the answer to that question is no. We cannot pick and choose who Jesus is and which one we're going to worship. But we have to come to the question of who is Jesus. And we have to come to the real understanding of who he is. So who is Jesus? You guys need to get your Bibles ready because we've got 101 verses, it feels like. I need someone to open up to Mark chapter 2, verse 7. Who's got that? Raise your hand if you got that. Who's got it? All right, Casey's got it. I need Mark 4, 41. Who's got that? Who's got it? Kaylee. Luke 7, 49. Who's got it? Go for it, Jonathan. Uh, Mark 6, 2. Josiah. Who's got uh, Luke 9, 7 through 9? Who's got that one? Who's got it? Come on. All right, back there, Amelia. Who's got John 9, 16? Who's got that one? Anthony. Who's got Matthew 21, 9 through 11? Who's got that one? Lydia. Who's got John 18, 37? Who's got that one? Uh, Jungle Joe, you've got it. And I'm going to read Matthew 13. That's the one I'm going to camp out at for just a moment. But we're going to see that we're not the only people who've ever asked this question who is Jesus? In fact, as we're going to read through these verses, you're going to come to an understanding that everyone asked this question. Everyone wanted to ask this question. So let's go with Mark chapter 2, verse 7. Who had that one? Go for it. So this is Jesus going up there forgiving sins. They say, who is this guy? No one can forgive sins but God alone. Mark 4, 41. Who's got that? Go for it. Jesus got up from sleeping on a boat and got on to the storm. He rebuked it. He got on to the wind and waves and they stopped. And the disciples said, who is this guy? Luke 7, 49. Who is this guy who forgives sins? Who can sit there and say they forgive sins? Mark chapter 6, verse 2. Where did this guy come from? How is he doing this stuff? What is his deal? Luke 9, 7 through 9. Who had that one? Go for it.
People are asking questions all over the place. Who is Jesus? Is he John the Baptist? Is he raised from the dead like John the Baptist? Is he Elijah the prophet? Who is this Jesus? And Herod's sitting there saying, no, he's not John the Baptist. I beheaded John the Baptist. But who is this guy? Even reached Herod, a king. John 9.16. might have written down huh I was sitting there I was like I know I, I'm, I was thinking my references In other words, you've got Pharisees and you've got sitting there saying, man, this guy can't be from God. There's no way this guy's from God. And there's other people saying, how does he do these things that he's doing if he's not from God? He's got to be from the Lord. Who is this guy? Matthew 21, 9 through 11. Again, did I write down the wrong reference? I might have baby girl. And I will not be able to remember the right reference. Yeah, I wrote down the wrong reference. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, just read one more. Read. No, keep reading. Keep reading, verses 10 and 11. As Jesus entered into Jerusalem, so many people went crazy. They were saying, who is this guy? All of Jerusalem, who is he? John 18, 37. Even Pilate was sitting there saying, man, you're saying you're some sort of king. Who are you? You're standing in front of me. Matthew 13 kind of gets to a bit of a, what they might have been looking for. In Matthew 13, 53 through 58, it says this, And when Jesus had finished these parables... He went away from there, and coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all of his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him, but Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. 
Where did this guy come from? We know his family. Where did he come from? So I've got to ask this question. Why did everyone ask who Jesus was? I mean, take a stab at it. Why do you think people ask why? Why? They didn't know who he was. But I mean, like just now they were saying, hey, we, well, we know his, his, his mom, his dad. We know his brothers and sisters. We know where he comes from. So yeah, you're right. They didn't know who he was. But they knew where he came from. So what was it about him? Yeah, Casey. He was doing miracles. There was something going on he, they couldn't explain. In some instances, Satan had maybe blinded their eyes, to be sure. Here's why I think everyone asked who Jesus was, and we're going to get to the heart of it all throughout the night, okay? And here it is. The answer is the, number, it's the first question on your study guide. Why did everyone ask who Jesus was? Because he was obviously a man. And he was obviously more than just a man. He was a man like everyone else walking down the street. He had a hometown. He had feet and hands. He got tired. He ate food and drank with his disciples. He laughed. He cried. He was obviously a man. But guys, everything that he did, all of the things that when you see these people asking who is this man or where did he come from or what in the world should we think about this Jesus, everything he did proved without a shadow of a doubt that even though he was a man, he was obviously more than just a man. Everything he did proved that. In fact, people ask that question there, and you just read all of those things, and people have been asking that question for centuries ever since. People have asked all throughout the ages, who is this Jesus guy? Some people say that he was just a good teacher. Some people say that he was a madman. Some people say that he was God. Some people say that he was no different than Muhammad. He was no different than the Buddha. And in fact, there have been times, several times throughout church history and in fact all of history where people have met just to discuss this question of who is this guy named Jesus. I'm going to bring up two of them for you right now. You've got one that's called the Council of Nicaea and one that's called the Council of Chalcedon. The Council of Nicaea was in 325 A.D. The Council of Chalcedon was in 451 A.D. 325 A.D. So how many years is that after Jesus has been on the earth? It's about 300 years, and people are still saying, what in the world? Who is this Jesus? They get together, and they were talking about that ah, there's, there is no way. At the Council of Nicaea, they got together, and they're like, there's, there's just no way that Jesus really is equal to God. 
there's no way that he's, that he's really God. There's just, it can't be true. In fact, at the Council of Nicaea, you had a guy named Arius there, and he was the chief voice saying that there's no way Jesus could be um, God, that there's no way he could be God incarnate, there's no way he could be the Lord. And the debate got so heated that one very um, interesting person in history, a guy named St. Nicholas, and, 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 and uh, like the St. Nicholas, like, like St. Nick. St. Nicholas was at the Council of Nicaea, and he got so angry at Arius. Like, and I'm, I'm, talking, about, I'm talking about like, like, I'm bringing you presents, St. Nicholas, all right? He got so mad at Arius that he gets up in the middle of the arguments and the debates, and he goes up and slaps the fool out of Arius. Right there. St. Nicholas was a fervent and ardent defender that Jesus was, in fact, God. The Council of Nicaea, they got together and they said, there's no way, there's no way that he could be that. And Arius denied it. And St. Nicholas slapped him for it. The Council of Chalcedon, they were still arguing it over a hundred years later. And they said, look, we, we understand from the Council of Nicaea kind of who God is and how he exists and how Jesus is God also and how, um, and how that um, the Holy Spirit is also uh, God and it's, it's, it's one God and three persons. We understand that. But then the Council of Chalcedon, they get like, yeah, but how does it work? How can Jesus actually be God when he was obviously a man? How can he actually obviously be a man when he was definitely God? How does that work? And they came up with creeds and declarations from those councils. All that to say that if we're going to dive into the question of who is Jesus, it's not just a simple, he's just a baby who was born and he was a really good person. It's not that. Who is Jesus? Well, let me answer part of the question because I've kind of already answered it as we went through the Council of Nicaea. But who do you say Jesus is? Well, I say, first up, question number two, that Jesus is fully God. Completely and totally, 100% God. In fact, someone open up to John... Actually, I'll open up to John 1, 1 through 5 because there's a couple of really cool things I want to do there with that. Someone open up to Hebrews 1, 5 through 9. Who's got that? Hebrews 1, 5 through 9. I need a volunteer. Brad. Uh, Colossians 2, 8 and 9. Who's got that? Bethany. All right. So let me look at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and that Word... Word has a capitalized W. We recognize we're talking about a person. We recognize we're talking about a being. And it's a proper understanding. This is a proper name. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. 
and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Understand when we're talking about Jesus, we're talking about fully God. We're actually talking about God. We're actually talking about the Lord. When we're talking about Jesus, we're talking about the person who created everything. One of the things that will strike you when you um, go into a, when you go and you talk to a Jehovah's Witness, they'll deny that Jesus was God, and they've got their own translation of the Bible. And I went and got that translation one time, and I went and brought it to a Bible study. Do you remember that, Casey? All right, and it's a strange, and I might actually have it over in my office. I should have brought it over to you, their Bible. All right, but when you come over there and when you read this, it says that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. It doesn't say the Word was God. The Word was a God. They try and trick you. But here's the thing. And they say that, that's a, that, that he was God is a misunderstanding of what it originally said. But then it says this in verse 3, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So you've got two categories. You've got created things, and you've got God. And it says that this word created everything. That this word created everything. Now, if he was only a God, and if he was a created thing, how could this created thing create everything else? It's a fun little thing to, to walk through with him. Yeah, you can't do it. It doesn't make sense, does it? What about Hebrews 1, 5 through 9? So notice what he says there, specifically in verse 8, but of the Son, and who is the Son of God? Jesus. Of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And not only that, he says, therefore, God, your God has anointed you. What well, Colossians 2, 8 through 9. For in Christ the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. The Bible is painstakingly clear that Jesus is fully God. So who is this Jesus? How can He do these things? Who is this King of glory? Who is this Jesus? He is fully God. But that's not all that we have to say about him, not only do we need to understand that Jesus is fully God, but number three, Jesus is fully man. 
1 Timothy 2.5, who wants that? 1 Timothy 2.5, who's got it? Casey? All right, what about Hebrews 4.15? Amelia? What about Galatians 4.4? You want Galatians 4.4? All right, Jesus is fully man. Not only do we understand that he was completely and totally God, but he was completely and totally man. And guys, this understanding that he is fully God and he is fully man, it sets up the atonement like you wouldn't believe. I'm, 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 I'm softball. I'm softballing it for you. Because after this series, uh, Joe is going to be getting, he's going to be talking about what the atonement is. This understanding that he is fully God and he's fully man, I mean, it establishes such a basis to know what the atonement and how it can be fulfilled and how our relationship with God can be, can be restored and it can be brought back. But Jesus is fully man. 1 Timothy 2, 5. Who had that one? All right. The man, Christ Jesus. There is one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. Hebrews 4.15. We have a high priest, he's talking about Jesus there, who understands exactly where we are because he's been there in even our weakness. But he didn't sin. What a remarkable thing to consider. Galatians 4.4. 4. Born of woman born under the law. So, does anybody know any man who wasn't born of a woman? I don't. It's a really fancy way, a really neat way. To, it says a lot. But one of the things it says is he was absolutely a man. That he was totally and completely a man. So I titled this series, Introducing Emmanuel, and I've titled it Introducing Emmanuel because Jesus is called Emmanuel, and that's number four. Jesus is called Emmanuel, and that means God with us. Jesus is called Emmanuel, and that means God with us. And if you don't believe me, let's open up to Isaiah 7.17. Who had that? Who has Isaiah 7.17? Who wants that? Crystal? Who wants Matthew 1, 22 through 23? You think you can do it, buddy? Okay. Jesus is called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Isaiah 7.17, whenever you're there. That is not right. So 
Sorry, guys. So we finally found. We finally found one that was that was misprinted. Um, I'll tell you the passage here in a second. I say seven fourteen. Sorry, not seven seventeen, but seven fourteen. Call him Emmanuel. There will be a child who is born, and he will be called Emmanuel. And in Matthew 1, 22 through 23, what does it tell us, Elijah? Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 through 23. So that's the big number 1 and the little numbers 22 and 23. Conceive. Emmanuel. Which means God with us. When we're talking about who is this Jesus, you need to understand that we're talking about God with us. Someone who was fully God and fully man, and he was uniquely positioned to be the king of glory. He was uniquely positioned to be the king of glory. Let me, I really don't have time to do this, but it's so much fun to do. When you look at Matthew chapter 1, you're given a list of the names of Jesus' family. And it starts all the way back. It says, This is the book of the this the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. It says, Abraham was the father of Isaac. So he starts off there and he talks about Abraham, the first man chosen by God as a family. Abraham has Isaac, who has Jacob, and he goes up through the line until finally from Abraham you get to Jesus. And so you recognize it's a line from Abraham, goes through David into Jesus, and you see that Jesus is the chosen king and that he is the one that's been promised. But the crazy thing about it is that it says, and Jacob, the father, this is verse 16 of Matthew chapter 1, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. It says that Joseph was the husband of Mary, but it doesn't say that he's the father of Jesus. It says, Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born. So Joseph wasn't the father. So wait a minute. How is he really going to be, how does he have that? You know, okay, so you guys know that there's a difference between kings and like presidents, right? 
What's the biggest difference between kings and presidents? How do you get a president? They get voted in. You elect them into office. How did the king get to be the king? Yeah, he's, he's, he's born into the royal family. He's got to have royal blood in his veins. He's got to be the royal bloodline. All right, so we're saying that Jesus is the king, that he is God with us. He's Emmanuel, that he really is the one to establish as fully God, as fully man, the kingdom of heaven. And you see that he comes through Joseph, and that's through the line of David. But wait a minute, he's actually not Joseph's son. It says... Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born. So Jesus can't be the king, right? Because he doesn't have that royal bloodline. Just let me, I, I love this. Luke does a different thing here. Luke also talks about Jesus' family. And I love this. This makes me so happy. It says this. Now, okay, you know I told you that in Matthew, it goes from Abraham and it goes up to Jesus, right? Well, Luke's starts with Jesus and it works its way down. Does that make sense? So it starts off with Jesus and then it works its way down to David, to the kingly line, okay? But it's a different set of names. You've got Matthew, Abraham, to David, to Joseph, to Jesus. And it says that Jacob was the father of Joseph. Jacob was the father of Jesus. Now, let, let, let me read this to you. Jesus, uh, this is Luke chapter 3, verse 23. Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Matat, the son of Levi. Wait a minute, these are different names. In Matthew, it said that the father of Joseph was, do you remember what I said? Jacob. But here, it says, Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Heli. This is not Joseph's line. Everyone thought that he was Joseph's son, but he wasn't. Whose son was he? He's God's son, and he, who was his mother? Mary. This goes through Mary's line. This goes through Mary's line. And we see that going through Mary's line, that we reach the same conclusion, that we go into David, and then we go into Abraham. The same line. Jesus was the right bloodline, he was, because he was fully man, he was the right king of glory because he was fully God. And he was God with us. So who is this Jesus? I'm going to leave you with this note for tonight. Number five, Jesus is the king of glory in Psalm 24. Jesus is the king of glory in Psalm 24. And we have to understand and I've got I'm a, I'm a, I want everyone to open to Philippians 2, 5 through 11. So what does that look like? How did this king of glory how did this guy how was he fully God and fully man? 
how did that happen? What did it look like? Well, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11 tells us or gives us just a glimpse of what it looked like. Philippians 2, beginning in verse 5, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of who? Who's in the form of who? Are you guys reading along? God. Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Let me just stop there. These verses tell us what it looked like to have fully God and fully man. You need to understand that Jesus was in the form of who? Not according to this verse, that Jesus was in the form of God. Though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? He didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. What does it mean to say that I am equal with any one of you? I'm the same. Yeah. Am I, Casey, am I any more human than you? No. Are you any more human than me? I am an older human than you. But I don't have to grasp for my humanity to be more human like you, Casey. In the same way, you don't have to grasp for more humanity to be more human like me. Jesus, in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He was equal with God. He is God, it says, but emptied himself. What does that mean? It tells us. He took on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. This Jesus, who is fully God, completely and totally God, emptied himself, became a man, was born of a woman, emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So who is this Jesus? Who is this Emmanuel? Who is this God with us? The first thing we've got to understand before we go any further, and and by the way, uh, next week we're looking at... so. Psalm 24 is our guide. Who is this King of glory? We've got to ask who who is this King of glory. We've got to ask the question, who is Jesus? Yahweh, strong and mighty. Next week we're looking at how is he strong and mighty. And then Yahweh, mighty in battle. What battle did Jesus ever fight? What war did he ever wage? Lift up your heads, O gates. Lift yourselves up, O ancient doors. The King of glory may come in. What does that mean? How can we have a king of glory who is in, 
who is anything to do with us. Next week we're going to continue this, but before we do it, you have to understand who is this Jesus? He is fully God. He is fully man. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Let me pray. We're going to sing to this Jesus. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we do love you. We praise you. And I ask God that you would be glorified in our understanding of who your son is. That you would be glorified in revealing these truths to us. And Father, help us to worship you honestly for who you are. Lord, I pray that these students here would begin to grasp the depth of your son and would start to appreciate the reality of who he is and what that means for us. And it's in his name we ask these things and for his sake. Amen.